Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others in the way that Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listen in. So regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great morning. Um, man, how hard is it for us to say, man, how hard is it for us to say that God is enough? We just completed um, Romans, and uh, thank you for bearing with me through Romans. I know. Romans is some of the most difficult books to read in the whole Bible. So thanks for um, hanging in there. Uh, I hope that you were open to God's word, that you were challenged by God's word. And if y'all thought that it was going to get easier, um, yeah, like, yes, no. Uh, it's not about being easy or hard, y'all. Just another disclaimer. <laughs> Didn't think I would have to give a disclaimer after Romans, but here's just the disclaimer that uh, I just follow. I really pray. I really <laughs> pray and obey. That's my that's my motto when it comes to God's word preaching because Lord knows I fear the Lord. And so I'm not out here to try to communicate what I think y'all need. Although, you know, for some, for some people, you know, I might know you guys better and for some I don't know you guys as well. Uh, I might have my own personal, you know, things that I will tell you guys and and help to help with your journey. But this is not the time for that. This is not the time or the place for that. This is the time for God's word. So I prayed, and He confirmed. Can we all open up our? I'm, can we all open up our Bibles to Jonah? Jonah chapter one. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to go through the book of Jonah. Um, <laughs> I don't have a title for the sermon series. It's just Jonah. It's just the book of Jonah. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say the sermon title right now, because I don't feel the need. There's no main idea the today. Cause you know, it's just about the sermon title. So uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The book of Jonah is after the book of Obadiah um, and before the book of Micah. So it's like past Jeremiah, past Isaiah, like past Lamentations and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea, the, some of those longer books. And it gets into like Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. So that's where Jonah is. Um, but yeah, so the, the sermon title is Running Away from Yahweh. The sermon title is Running Away from Yahweh. I like to spell Yahweh uh, the way that it is the, I, I personally think, just, just because it, it is an original language and it is like the word Yahweh is not English. So I like to write it out the way that it is written in the Hebrew consonants, which is uh, in all caps, Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. So it's running away from Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, all caps. Um, Okay, so we're gonna read, we're gonna... Bear with me, y'all. If you guys feel like you are running away from the Lord, 
because of your own lives, your life choices, what you're choosing to prioritize, and you made it out today. <laughs> the God loves you, man. God loves you. Uh, we're going to <laughs> read. Uh, we are not together, but this is God's word. So if there's any time to not be distracted, although I will say with the book of Jonah, try to pay attention. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <sighs> yes, so we're going to read God's word with all the reverence that is due to God's word. Please be respectful of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a, a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. That's repeated twice, y'all. Away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, or the crew members, were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had leaned down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots so we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made that sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you so that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, has done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying right now? Abba, Abba, 
You are truly our Abba, our Father. Oh, Abba, forgive us for we do not know what we do. Abba, right now, clear our minds of any distraction that is not of you, Lord. Clear our minds so that we can hear the reading of your holy and perfect word. Abba, this Abba, I cannot believe that I am preaching this right now. I got things to say to you when it's one-on-one, -on -one, you and me, Abba. But, but I thank you for your word, regardless of whether or not it is easy to swallow. Abba, we take every word that you give us difficult and easy because you are good and your mercy endures forever. And I truly believe, God, that if you come for people today, if you come for me today, that is the grace that you have for us and the compassion you have for our lives. So Abba, I pray that you would show us how much you love us this morning. Help us to not play games with you no more. I didn't even know, God. I didn't even know. We went, I'm just thinking through everything that you've made me preach from like Galatians to 1 Corinthians, and now we was in Romans and Isaiah, God, and now you are taking us through Jonah. God, <laughs> help us to listen to you. Uh, help us to just listen to you, that we would stay grounded on your word. Abba, that we would love you with all of our hearts. Jesus, you are so real. You are so real. Jesus, you could walk into this room if you could, if you wanted to, you could really do that. You are as real as the body that people are seeing on screen and in real life. You are actually in the flesh and you are legitimately speaking to people because you last longer than money, than family, than fame. God, so I just pray that you would just be at the center, that you would shake people that you would shake their foundations if it is not of you, God. That we would be founded on you. Abba, that we would no longer play no games with you, God. So that we can just, so we can just stay focused on you, God. Oh, we are so prone to wander. So God, speak what it is that you want to say to us. Hide me behind your cross that you may be glorified. God, I don't want no part in your glory. Your glory is yours, and I give you glory. I fall with my face. Lord, you know I'm standing, but you know where my spirit is, and it is face down, nose to the ground before you. I'm laying out before you, God. So God, just be honored and glorified. May you speak to all of us what you want us to hear, even me. Would you take us to the next level with you? In Jesus' name I pray. Okay, running away from Yahweh. Oh, that rhymes. Running away from Yahweh. <sighs> okay, we're just going to jump right into it. So this, actually, are we going to jump right into it? Guys, sorry, give me three seconds. <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh. Let me ask it. Let me just, let's ease in with the question, actually, instead of just jumping right into the passage. Do y'all need to be eased in? I need to be eased in. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you ran away? Actually, that question is also rough, but 
<laughs> Are you running away from the Lord right now? Uh, let me ask you another question. Um, when was the last time you talked to him and you was willing to hear him when you talked? When you talk to God, is it that you are word vomiting or is it that you are listening? Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you obeyed his priority in your life? What is your number one priority? Difficult questions. Do we know the answer? Maybe the Lord will lead you to yours as we hear what this passage has to say. So Jonah chapter one, verse one. This, man, I wish y'all were here to look at all the faces of everybody here right now. <laughs> it's just, man, I hope you ain't looking too scared. I'm scared. Uh, so the, uh, let's all breathe together, y'all. Just breathe, just breathe. Okay. Okay, so verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So we're just going to deal with these first three verses the first thing that we read is God's command. It's a unique one. He says, tells Jonah to go and speak against the city of Nineveh. Okay. What's unique about this command, number one, is that God tells Jonah to go somewhere. He doesn't do that very often. He does that to Elijah, does that to Samuel. He doesn't do that very often. But he tells Jonah to go the distance. And he tells them, and he tells them to go and speak against the city, an evil city. It seems that this evil city has suffered misfortune. The word evil is ra in Hebrew. It's the wickedness of Nineveh. There was a commentary I was reading that makes a distinction um, between the time of Nineveh and the time of the flood. Now, if we all remember Genesis 9, um, it's the, the time of the flood. There was a great evil that was upon the world. And God wipes it out in the flood, sends a little rainbow as a promise that he would never do that again, right? <laughs> really, really oversimplifying and butchering it. I'm sure we'll go through it at some point um, and unpack it a little. But uh, he actually makes a distinction between the evil of then and, and now um, because this evil is raw. Now, it's the, it's the common word for wickedness. Um, but what's really interesting about this wickedness and the nature of God's command, why does God tell Jonah... So number one, speak against a city. Number two, speak against the city that isn't Israel. Number three, call out the wickedness of Nineveh. Number one, why does God tell Jonah to denounce a city? Because that city is evil. Number two, why does God tell Jonah? Actually, I'll do number three first. Why does God tell Jonah to denounce a city that is wicked? Because he has compassion for the city right now. God is telling Jonah, go and call this city out so that the city would repent and come back to me. Now, number three, why does God tell Jonah to go and call out a city that isn't Israel? That's because this is one of the earliest moments where, not one, not the earliest, 
But it is an Old Testament moment, a very uncommon moment where God shows compassion for non-Israelite city. When Jonah points out their sins, they can hear his voice and it, it can change their lives. There's an opportunity to change here that shows up in the compassion of the Lord. It's an opportunity to change in wickedness that we might not always be willing to see. Sometimes when people have gone too far, even if they might be redeemed, there's no going back. Cancel culture is kind of like that. When somebody does something wrong, they're canceled. Their existence is canceled. When I think about how ridiculous that is, I didn't know you gave birth to this person to cancel them. <laughs> I didn't know, you know? I didn't know that the keyboard of existence and the world was before you to press cancel on somebody's existence. It shows us that God has an element of redemption that we do not. Interestingly enough, we are not the ones who have the keyboard of judgment. We are not the ones that have the gavel of eternity. We are not the ones to cancel people. We are not the ones to lift up and elevate people and sanctify them to the point of glorification. We are not the ones to save people from their sins. God is, and he has a level of redemption that we do not have. And that's very clear here. So God tells Jonah to go and denounce this city because he wants to be compassionate. Now, Nineveh is a very evil city. At the time, it's clear that Nineveh is a city that is prosperous. It's a key city for, I think, the Assyrians. There's a lot of evil that happens in Assyria. Um, I'll unpack this a little bit, I, but I, I, I ended up writing an exegesis paper on Nineveh, and I was reading about some of the grotesque... It was bad. <laughs> um, they would, like, flay people like skin people, you know, gouge out eyes, pile up bodies. Assyrians did everything to um, strike fear in, in the hearts of others and, 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 and conquer them. So in the name of conquest, Assyria was, they did not, they did not care what they, they just did what they had to, what they thought they had to, used uh, very cruel, very unusual tactics um, that were frightening and dehumanizing and um, disgusting. They were really brutal. Um, and Nineveh was a mecca of wealth. Um, the king had their, or the, the ruler um, had a villa there. Um, there was a library filled of education. There's life, recreation, uh, which is very uncommon, like pools in the middle of the square where people can bathe. Um, you know, sexual situations happening rampantly, you know, orgies and temples and the like. It's just very, 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 like, very, very secular, very evil city, um, raw city. Um, but God sees an opportunity for redemption and tells Jonah to go. Now, how does Jonah respond? Jonah goes the other way. Nineveh is east and the sea is west. God tells Jonah, go. He goes that way. He goes. He goes all right. 
but he goes the opposite direction. He ain't even hiding, he running. He running the other way. I relate to Jonah. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when God tells us to do something that we don't wanna do, it's enough to not obey him, but sometimes we book it. And that's what Jonah does, he books it. Why does Jonah book it? Why does Jonah flee? To God's compassion and action. Israel suffered at the hands of Assyria. Um, Israel was, if Jonah was the conqueror, Israel was the conquered. Um, He flees to avoid helping an enemy. What is the significance of this? One of the commentaries that I was reading calls Jonah a good man and a bad prophet. This is because Jonah places the honor of the people of Israel over the honor of God. For the benefit of Israel, he seeks the honor of the son and not the honor of the father. Why does Jonah do that? Why does Jonah flee to avoid helping an enemy? Why does Jonah seek the honor of the people of Israel over the honor of God? In a lot of ways, Jonah represents inferior nationalistic Judaism to faith. Jonah represents, even more so than that, and this is where I got wrecked. This is where I got wrecked, y'all. Because we know we live in a society right now where nationalistic faith is literally rotting the witness of Christ, right? But here, let me break down the heart of nationalistic nationalistic sentiment, especially in the sentiment in the face of suffering, because this is not like Israel is like America. Israel is being conquered. Israel is being marginalized. Israel is being oppressed. Israel is being brutalized. So what what is actually going on here is that he is more loyal to the sufferings of his people and more loyal to humans than he is to the call of God. Let me say that one more time. He is more loyal. This wrecks me. I am a very, if y'all know me, if y'all know anything about me, I live and die on loyalty. My currency is loyalty. My food is loyalty. I eat loyalty in the morning. I eat loyalty at night. I live based on loyalty. I am still in Boston because I am loyal. (laughs) I am still who I am because I am loyal. Everything that I am is because I am loyal. God is calling out when we are more willing to be standing behind our people than the Lord, than the call of God. Specifically, cause you know, God play no games. And as much as he likes to, you know, talk in parables, he also likes to be direct. He says, run away from the presence of Yahweh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> Jonah is choosing to be loyal over the presence <laughs> of Yahweh. Um, 
So for the benefit of Israel, he seeks the honor of the son and not the honor of the father. I'm going to pause right here and ask you guys a question because this question is going to come up again. I'm going to ask this again during application, but what is it that we put above the reality of the gospel? That is noble. Family? Providing money? A future for our children? Maybe our desires, what we want to do with our lives? Do we even consult God with our future? Are we doing what we want to do in our professions just because we want to do it? Even if it's noble, are we more loyal to that than God's call over our lives? Morality is not what makes you a Christian. It's the presence of Yahweh. And see, God has a plan for your life. And God is real. And life is short. I really thought that life would go on forever. I had the most, the reason why I went into law, I wanted to protect people that were marginalized. I wanted to teach for America. I started working as a teacher in a school that is 99% black. Because my goal was nobility. My goal was equality and equity for all. My goal was free, freedom from oppression. Not just for me or people that look like me, but for all people that suffer because everybody is deserving of dignity and honor. It's not a bad thing to want to do all of that. But sometimes we prioritize our loyalty to our values, to our people. Sometimes we choose to do a well-paying job for the sake of our current and future family. We sometimes prioritize loyalty to other things, be it values or people or even our dreams. We are more loyal to our dreams than we are to God's call on our lives. And here's the thing about Jonah. He sees the fall of Israel. He faces the prophecy and the, of grace that God is giving that is passing into the nations that are outside of Israel. And he decides to delay it. He sees that God has grace beyond his ability. He sees he is confronted with God's compassion for his nation's enemy and runs the other way. Now, Jonah knows God. He knows that he might die. Jonah would rather die than obey God. He flees expecting for this to cost him his life. Expecting the consequences, knowing God, he chooses to honor people instead. I don't know, it just reminds me, you know, when you, you know, when you're too loyal, I mean, I know I was just talking about, you know, you know, I live and die and eat loyalty. What about you guys? Have you ever been so loyal when you're too loyal that, like, it's like, let's say, 
your best friend gets into a fight with somebody else in this ministry. And you have a personal relationship with this person, but you're not as close to this person. You see this person growing. You see that there's redemption that is possible in this person. But because this person wronged your homie, you're like, ah, that's it. Draws a line in the sand. People taking sides over a fight, maybe over a breakup. Out of loyalty. But man, what does God say about unity? What does God say about the call of a Christian? At that point, when you take sides, man, I cannot believe this is going there, but when you take sides, you could be obeying your loyalty more than God's commandment. It is possible to be loyal to your friend and obey the commandment of the Lord and be open to the redemption of somebody on the other side. But this is difficult. Maybe it's not a fight. Maybe it's the person that hurt your family. You have an opportunity to see that person's humanity. Maybe you're an abuser. Maybe somebody that has abused your family. And you see that this person has the capacity to heal and grow and be redeemed. But you choose to be loyal over the command of the Lord. Maybe God gives you a unique opportunity to rebuild a relationship here down the line, but you're like, you know what? No. I remember the first time, and I don't, I don't mean to, I love, I don't mean to call anything out, but I remember the first time I came across an elderly Japanese Christian. Um, I just grew up very, very Korean, and my grandmother lived through, you know, the Japanese occupation, and so, like, I've grown up on a lot of stories, and, um, like, my family is a family that has been torn apart, like, torn apart by the Korean War, apart, apart. Um, on my mother's side, there are a lot of people that are probably in internment camps or in jail because of the fact that, you know, my, my parents, my mother's side, like, ran away to the South. That's what happens. Um, we don't know about it. I, I don't know if I'll never hear about it in my lifetime. Um, but there's a whole like faction of family there that I will never see again. Um, and like, she just like, so I grew up speaking like a, like, I don't know, you know how we grew up speaking like our family's Korean. I grew up speaking like a weird dialect that is quasi Japanese, quasi South Korean, quasi North Korean dialects, right? It's like a, like a nice little mosh posh. Um, and so I grew up like hearing a lot about Japan. Um, and I remember the first time I come across an old Japanese Christian, right? A Japanese Christian that is as old as my grandmother. Um, you know, having a conversation with this person. Um, I just remember like coming, I was coming into contact with this person's story, uh, how God saved this person. And it was really difficult for me to accept. Um, because, you know, um, for some of you guys that don't know, uh, Korea almost went through like cultural erasure in the early 1900s. 
between like the 1900s and the 19 like legit 30s 1930s the end of the 1930s it's like not not long ago at all uh, while the world was going through world war ii korea was they they tried to erase our last names tried to teach us a different language you know it was just a really 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 it's a really interesting time a lot of women were taken um um government subsidized mass violence sexually against women um not to trigger you guys sorry trigger warning um and i'm glossing over it because i, I don't want to trigger anybody that's not that's not the goal here but um i remember I, I was confronted with a deep sense of nationalism that i didn't know existed um and i was i was confronted with this you know, what does it mean for us to be Christian before we are Korean? Um, what does it mean for for me to be Christian before I am my grandma's granddaughter? Um, what does it mean for us to prioritize the command of God over our own, the people that we are loyal to? Um, Jonah here made a decision that a lot of us might be able to relate to. Not only was he unwilling to do the call of God, something that all of us might relate to, but he he was prioritizing the people he loved. He is someone's son, someone's brother. Um, and he has just seen Israel fall um, into the hands of these people. And God says, go, call them out so that they may return to me. That's hard. That's really, really stinking hard. Um, so Jonah goes on a suicide mission because he would rather die than see that happen. Not because he doesn't love God, but because he's choosing to be more loyal. And he, he's a good man. He's noble. He's a bad prophet. See, because sometimes, sometimes we're so loyal that even though we see somebody's capacity for redemption, we turn away. Sometimes we're so loyal, even to our own pain. Sometimes we're so loyal to our own desires, our own futures, our own families, our own context of oppression and suffering that we, we turn away from the command of the Lord. Unfortunately, the context of Israel is not so easy for us to swallow because Israel is the underdog here. Um, so that's something to think about. I'm not gonna say any more. I don't wanna make any overt um, ties to today because I don't know how accurate it is. Um, but I think there's something that strikes a chord in us, right? So anyway, Jonah is a Good man, bad prophet, <laughs> books it in the other direction. God tells him to do something. And he books the other direction because he wants to do what he wants to do. That might be the case for our vocations, for our families. Some of you guys might be basing your whole lives on loyalty to your family, loyalty to what your parents taught you. Some of you guys might be going for the money. Some of you guys might be like literally, 
A lot of us base our lives on ourselves. Ultimately, when you are putting your loyalty above the Lord, you are still putting, because being loyal makes you feel good. Seeing this person hurt makes you hurt. At the end of the day, it is still prioritizing your wants and your desires over God's call over your life. There's a lack of submission here to God's heart, a lack of submission to God's will, a lack of submission to what God wants to do. It's like, God, I know you have this in mind, and I'm not for it. As much as it's understandable, the decision that Jonah makes is still scary. And so God throws hands. He squares up in the form of a storm. And it, it, you know, the ESV like is all prim and proper. They're like, oh, a fright, like intense storm. It is frightening. The language of it is dramatic. It's intense. It is a storm with colossal waves. The boat can barely hold it together. These seamen are freaking out. It's a polytheistic international crew that is praying to their gods and throwing everything and their moms off of, off board. Like they are literally just like, oh my God, something's going on. Like what the hell is happening right now, right? And meanwhile, Jonah is sleeping. Y'all. I, I, I live next to my laundry machine. I love my room, but man, this laundry machine is powerful. And so I had to type in our group chat the other day, uh, in our stage uh, group chat the other day, I had to type, y'all, you have to lower it to like medium cycle or something because this, this rumbling is giving me, giving me nausea, right? The rumbling of the laundry machine gives me nausea. This man is literally sleeping through, literally sleeping through. He might as well get tops upside down. He's like going through the most intense storm that he, he and all these people have ever experienced, literally, physically, figuratively, everything, and he is literally sleeping. And the captain literally goes, what is this to you? What is this to you, you sleeper? He is literally saying, what the hell are you doing? Why are you sleeping? How the, how the hell are you sleeping? Right? No, it's like really like that. In the language, it's incredulousness. This captain is not even pissed. He's shocked. He's shocked that Jonah is asleep. Why is Jonah asleep? Some people say that it, is, it might be psychological, that he might be feeling despair because he is committing suicide. <laughs> Some people say that it's the state of his spirit. No matter how much God tries to make waves, no matter how much God tries to tell him, this is not what I want for you, Sometimes we go the opposite direction from what God wants for us and then God shakes up our lives. It doesn't go our way. Even when we're just trying to do one single little thing, it doesn't work. Because we're trying to have control over everything and things don't go according to our plan. And God's shaking it up because he's trying to say, look at me. Stop running away from the presence of Yah. Look at me. I'm here. Even when you run away, I'm right outside. I'm knocking on your doorstep. I'm shaking you up. Because your heart is running away from me and what I have for you, and I'm shaking you up, and he's sleeping. And it's very ironic because this unbeliever is pleading for spiritual action on the part of the believer. The unbeliever is like, yo, pray. <laughs> no, I'm like, yo, I don't know who you believe in. But yo, you gotta get down on your knees. What the hell are you doing sleeping? You gotta get down on your knees and pray. And Jonah's like, what's going on, right? 
He has no idea. Man, if that don't sound like me, if I don't know if y'all relate to that, I'm not pointing no fingers, but I am pointing fingers inward. I'm like, man, that can that is so, <laughs> so me, right? Sometimes God is still shaking us up, but we are we, re, we are refusing to listen to the Lord, <laughs> and we're like, no, <laughs> I'm sleeping. So they have this prayer meeting. They have this international polytheistic prayer meeting. And then they're like, you know what? I really think this is supernatural. So they cast lots and it falls on Jonah. It falls on Jonah. And they ask, who are you? Where do you come from? Where's your country? Who do you believe in? Like cough it up. And he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And this terrifies them. They ask, what have you done? <laughs> the irony of this claim, man's is sleeping. Everybody else is praying. They wake him up to pray. Ain't nobody else believing in God, but they wake him up to pray. They have a polytheistic international prayer meeting. This is a universal storm, y'all. And then the lots get cast on John. He said, who are you? He said, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord. And then they're, they're the ones that are terrified. The irony, he says, I fear God. I worship, the word worship here is, is a connotation of I fear the Lord. And it terrifies them. It don't terrify him, it terrifies them. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we are so blind. We know God, but we don't follow him because we've had it to hear. For whatever reason, our pride, whatever it is, we're like, God, we're going to do what we want. We are blind to what he is doing. And we are sleeping. And everybody around us is like, yo, wake up, pray. They don't even believe in God. They believe in whatever the heck they They believe in themselves. But they're like, yo, you got to pray. And you say, I am a hero. I worship the God who created the heavens and the earth. And they're the ones that are terrified. They're the ones that are like, what have you done? They don't even believe in God right now. They say, what have you done? <laughs> what have you actually done? <laughs> right? Um... And the storm gets rougher. And this is where we see. This is where we see that Jonah, because you might be like, how do you know that Jonah, this is Jonah's suicide mission. This is, verse 12 is where you see it, because Jonah says, throw me overboard. The word is literally, toss me. <laughs> the word is literally, toss me. Toss me into the hurling sea. <laughs> <laughs> toss me into the raging sea Jonah is very aware he is very aware of what he has done he's the one that knows God but he fails to honor God he fails to obey God it is possible for you to know God and still run the other way I came here to tell you to wake up if that's you this is the God who created the heavens and the earth. This is the God that manufactures every storm. This is the God that defeated evil. This is the God that even when the enemy is working against you, he is working for your good. This is the God that is holiest of holies. Stop playing games. Sometimes we miss him. 
But even then, these guys show more reverence for God than, than Jonah. They, they're still like, okay, they don't want to throw him overboard. So they try their best in the middle of a raging sea. They've thrown everything and their moms overboard. It's just people at this point, but they still row in the land. They're like, yo, we gotta go. yo, I know you saying throw me overboard, but yo, I can't do that because if this God is this scary, yo, I don't want to deal with the consequences of killing the servant of the Lord. We got to row back, back to land, but the storm gets rougher and they're just rowing in circles. It's a whirlpool of their own. They're just rowing, rowing around. They ain't getting nowhere. They're like, oh my God, forgive me. God, we're going to throw this person overboard, but this is just, it's clearly just what you want. We've done what, please don't, don't. Don't make us pay for this person's life. Jonah's like, throw me overboard, y'all. Okay? <laughs> He's like, this is it. My life is over. And they obey Jonah, and it happens exactly the way that it's supposed to. They were obviously aware that the taking of a man's life is a very serious matter, and the consequences were involved, especially when the servant, when the person was a servant of the supreme God. But given the circumstances... They obey Jonah, and the sea goes still on the spot. This is a situational, time-based language here. It is literally, they throw Jonah, and the sea stops, and the clouds disappear. And they're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> like, what the heck? You know what? You know when, like, I mean, I can't even compare a raging storm to New England weather, but you know when it like rains like five minutes ago and all of a sudden it's blue? It's like, like you wouldn't even believe that that just happened because of how calm everything is. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, and even in our lives, it's like we do something and then God like literally makes the whole situation go down. And it's like, what just happened? Like what literally just hit me? It's like somebody slaps you across the face and it stuns you. You're like, what just happened, right? <laughs> you're like, did it even happen? Like, you're just so stunned, right? Um, it shows, and interestingly enough, the fact that Jonah was right and it happens exactly as Jonah says becomes a witness to the power of God and the sovereignty of God, so they worship him. So this polytheistic international crew starts worshiping him and then Jonah gets swallowed up by a fish. I'm going to go into this fish thing to next week more. But God does this thing at the end of every chapter. That last line is always about what God is doing. Not, about the, not in the perspective of a human, but in the perspective of God's intention. And this last thing is about Jonah being swallowed up by a fish. So God's intention, even in this situation where Jonah willingly, completely disobeys the Lord, and God's call of compassion on these people. Jonah literally disobeys God, expecting death, but God swallows him up in a fish. We see that that's obviously God's compassion and mercy. But why a fish? One commentator put it like this, and I really like the fact that they said it like this. He said, it's not a happy place to live, but it's a good place to learn. <laughs> you know when you do something and you willingly disobey God? I don't know how are you, yo, let's be real here. Let's be actually honest with ourselves for a second here. Who here is obeying God right now? Or who here is disobeying God right now? You don't got to raise your hands. You don't got to signal it in the Zoom. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Who here is not actually following what God, God, God is calling them to something, but they're like, yo, I'm not ready. <laughs> don't look at me, Grace. You just, God, I'm not ready, right? God, I'm not ready. I'm not willing. 
And your season feels like the belly of the fish. Your circumstances are being shaken up. You are barely hanging on by the skin of your teeth and it ain't even working because you want control. You want it to go your way and it isn't going according to your plan. And you are thrown overboard and you are in the belly. It's not a good place to live, but it's a good place to learn. That's literally what the commentator wrote. Man, isn't there a difference between knowing somebody and being willing to let someone in? Isn't there a difference? Even if you know them well, if you're not willing to listen, you ain't with them. Some of us, God honors your life. He has put you in your season. He has given you the desires of your heart and you are still unwilling, still unwilling to follow God. You would rather be loyal to your family, to your parents, to your future, to the bag. and you're not happy. Let me tell you, y'all, we gotta stop playing games with the Lord. Why does Jonah still disobey when he identifies as God's? I wanna point something out here, because this is, you know, like Jane, why does, God, why does Jonah disobey? Why does Jonah disobey? There's a clear loss of joy and thankfulness here. In the hint that, that he could have been sleeping because of despair, I think there's something to be said about the way that Jonah is so blinded by his own priorities, his own values, and what he thinks is right. Like, he is lost in his own decisions, in his own assumptions, and his own interpretations about God's call, rather than being aligned to God's heart for God's call, that he is burned out by God's love for people that he can't love. I'm gonna say that one more time. He is so lost in his own heart for God's people. He wants to love people his way, even though God has called him to his people. So it's like, he's gonna love God's people with all his might, without actually being aligned to what God is doing and God's heart that he gets burned out because he can't love people the way God loves them. So he enters his desire and his heart into God's situation that God has tasked him with. And he gets burned out because he is limited. See, but God wanted his presence to be over Jonah. Jonah isn't able to deal with God's love for his people to the point where Jonah runs away from God. If that isn't, yo, I, I really, I really, this is where I died. This is where I repented because you know, I think a lot of burnout that I've experienced, even in my time at North Boston, is because of my limit, when God is unlimited. When all I needed to do was to align myself, not even just to God's call, but to his presence, to his heart. Give my limitations up to him and follow him. But instead, I tried to do it, and I got burned out. I'm recovering by the grace of God. He is teaching me himself. Some of us might be burned out by serving. Some of us might be burned out about loving God's people. What if God never asked you to love them on your own? 
Jonah is clearly burned out by God's love for people that he can't love. He has this fixation on what he wants and what he prioritizes. It's like, God, that's my line. I'm not going to go there. That's not me. I don't want to do that. That's against my character. It's against my personality. It's my limit. It's this loss of this burnout of thankfulness, this burnout of joy about his calling. And yet, the storm and the fish is God's grace over Jonah's life. It's not, Abba, Abba, why have you forsaken me? It's God going, look at me. Why are you running away from my presence? How do we apply this into our lives? What do you put above God that is noble? Family, honor of what? Jonah was a good man and a bad prophet. Do we ever choose the world over God? Just gonna name us a couple of statements. If you relate to them, I highly suggest you write them down and wrestle with it. I don't wanna follow your will, God, because it's too hard. It's too hard to love these people. God, I don't wanna follow what you have for me because it's too difficult. It's too much work. God, I know you're calling me in this direction, but I don't have the funds for it. I don't have the means for it. God, I'm going to be more, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I know you're calling me to do this, but you know, I, I have to be loyal to my family. God, I know you're asking me of this, but God, I just, I want what I want right now. And that's just where I'm at. God, I don't want to forgive this person. I know you're, I know you tell me to love people, but I don't want to forgive this person. What they did to me is too despicable. If that's you, I relate to you. It was really difficult to obey God. As a pastor, I will tell you, man, forget the pastor thing for a second. As a person, I will tell you, following God into Gordon Conwell was the most painful decision I've ever had to make. I had to forsake the expectations of my family, to forsake my security, my long-term relationship that I was sure that I was gonna get married into. Everything that I had set up, all of that I had achieved, I had already, everything was lined up for me already, I just walked away from it. It was so hard. Not because I'm better than, it's not, I didn't make that decision because I'm better than you. It's because sometimes to know God is to acknowledge and honor him. What does it mean that God is real and he is who he actually is in your life? If he's called, if he really is the, the God of the heavens and the earth, who creates the storms and the seas, who orchestrates my whole life, who am I to say no? And that's why I obey. That's why I forgave my parents. Letting go of the suffering that I've been through. And not like forgetting about it and throwing it under a rug and not valuing myself. 
And even in ministry, God doesn't call me to lay myself out and sacrifice myself on the altar for you. I mean, because like as much as I am a minister, I'm also God's child too. Like God doesn't expect you to like burn out and die for his sake. At the same time, at the same time, he does call us to things sometimes that are not aligned to our desires. And he values you. He will carry you. He will make it work. If we walk by faith and not by sight. And that freshman hill of obeying God is always so difficult. That first hurdle of obeying God is so difficult. Sometimes people get caught at these crossroads and they turn towards themselves. Let me tell you, the yes is worth it. Some of us, we already gave our no, and we're in a season of no, and we're in the belly of the fish. Some of us are in the belly of the fish and didn't know we was in the belly of the fish. If that's you, here's your moment of clarity. You are in the belly. Why are you in the belly? I can't determine that. I'm not God. I'm your pastor. I walk with you, I pray for you, I encourage you, and I deliver to you God's word. But your life is in God's hands. Yo, I know God well enough to not mess with him. Y'all gotta duke it out with him. I ain't tell you nothing. Y'all gotta duke it out with him. Like, I know some of y'all want practical application. Pray. The practical application here is pray. Them non-believers, they're telling y'all, pray, okay? Pray, pray. Like, seriously, seriously be willing to listen to the Lord. Pray, okay? Prayer is a conversation, not a word vomit. You do not just talk to God and then like, oh, oh, oh I'm done praying. No, pray. <laughs> For real, for real. God has been waking me up at 6 a.m. every morning. And it's just praying. I'm like, man, <laughs> why? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? Freaks me out, man, because I'm scared. Like I said, I'm not getting in the way. It's between you and the Lord. Y'all can do get out with him. Pray, okay? Pray. Even when Jonah knew God, you can know God and not honor him. So listen to him, okay? Listen to him. Listen to him. That sword, whatever he's... Whatever he's shaking up in your life, listen to him, okay? Whatever you're trying to have that grasp over and control, clearly you're unhappy. Bro, seriously, if you have control over every hour of your day, if you make all the bag in the world and you get to 50 and 60, where, where did your life go? You know why when you pursue that, that kind of desire, just like, you know why it feels like you've wasted your life at the end of the day? Because that wasn't God's plan for your life, bro. Pray. Seriously, like, seriously. I mean, I could have, I could be making, I could be making so much money right now, okay? <laughs> I try not to think about it. It's so painful. I like money too, y'all. I'm human, okay? I'm not blind to the things that glitters, okay? Listen to him, he's just that real. 
I ain't playing no games with him. I don't know why y'all are playing games. Doesn't that freak y'all out? Like, here I am. I'll be the captain. What are y'all doing? Wake up, wake up. Seriously, wake up. Seriously, wake up. $50,000, your debt, 50, like, whatever it is, your debt, your loans, like, your future, that mortgage, like, whatever it is, your kids' college careers, like, that's not what's gonna get you. That's not, that's not your life. You are not created to be a money-making machine. Think about it. Think about it. Seriously, think about it. Seriously, think about it. What are you doing with your life? Seriously, seriously, seriously. Maybe you are burned out. It's probably because you was trying to push your own agenda. Even up, it's possible to push your own agenda about the Lord. That's what I learned. So that's my key lesson in 2019. Sometimes I could be going ahead of the Lord. And that, you know what that does? You know what, you know what happens when God is ruling your life, but you go ahead of God, you burn. You know why? Because you ain't God. It's, that sim it's really that simple. This is practical application of what it means to live a life with the Lord. Okay? Take the advice. This is take the advice. Stop running away from Yahweh. It ain't worth it. See the witness. God controls everything. What does that mean? To let that speak into your unforgiveness, into your uncertain futures. What does it mean that God really controls everything? Yo, I don't know. I don't know, okay? I am living every day by faith. It's very, very um, sometimes scary. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But come on. God controls everything. And you know, we got to deal with our verse 17. Sometimes God throws us in the belly when we run away, y'all. It's not a happy place to live, but it's a good place to learn. Sometimes, even if we are in pain, we have to learn. Because it is better to learn and stop living a life just for yourself now. And maybe some of you guys have not learned and you've been living in this belly for like 20 years. It's okay. God's not done with you yet. Praying about your calling isn't just apt for your early 20s or your early 30s. It can be apt in your early 50s. God has something for you. God called Abraham out of his hometown at the age of 80. He gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac when they were his grandma and grandpa. She, he, Paul called him good as dead. Okay? That is... You might be like, why does God have to, why can't just God change the course of our lives? Why can't God? It's because God cares about where you're looking. He doesn't, he doesn't make you to be a robot. He likes you. He likes having a relationship with you. Sometimes being in the belly is his compassion and grace for you. And not just for you, for the people and the cause that he wants to use you for. Imagine God never sent Jonah to the belly. What would happen to Nineveh?
You never know, y'all. You never know. Imagine I didn't obey God. Imagine I never came to North Boston. Imagine I never came to Boston. I would be a lawyer in New York City right now. Imagine there would be no adult ministry. Most of the youth would have been graduated by now. Who knows where everybody would be? That doesn't accredit to my works. That's God's plan for you. And you know what? God doesn't need Jonah. God could have sent somebody else in the end. But it would have been delayed. Like, my calling isn't just about me. We are an interdependent people that are all interconnected. We live not for ourselves only. Now, I'm not saying, oh my God, because I came here, you know. No, it's not like that. Okay, it's not like that. Not talking like that at all. Um, but when I see, like, yeah, I'm dwindled out, not doing the best that I could be. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at my yes, and I regret nothing. I'm so glad I'm here. Finishing up my fourth year. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm graduated. People tell me, where are you going next? I'm like, God hasn't called me yet. I could go home. That's what everybody does. That's what y'all will do. That's what y'all did when you graduate undergrad. Unless you had a job, you went home. <laughs> you know? I'm so glad. Because God is greater. Let that be the witness. God is greater. God is greater. If this, I'm not dumb. Maybe I'm, I can be dumb. <laughs> but... There's a logical, legitimate reason for why I'm here, and it's not just y'all. Let that be the way. God is greater. God is greater. He's worth following. If you in the belly, maybe now is the time you finally listen. If you was about to be in the belly, now is the time to finally listen. And if y'all are in the belly and you was about to say yes, but you were standing on the line, now is the time to say yes to God. Y'all needed to hear it? Here's your word. <laughs> Here's your word. Should we take this time to pray? Where are you at right now? Some of y'all have been running away from the Lord. Maybe some of y'all are curious about God. And you're on your way back to God. But it's hard. Let's just take this time. 
Be honest. Follow God. I'm not going to say much. Wherever you're listening, we hope you are blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.